All right, last week, we're in the third Sunday of Advent. That's, this is going by fast to me. Anybody else? It's going by really, really fast. Last Sunday, we talked about peace. And we had a little time to actually hear from the Spirit and let Jesus speak peace into our circumstances. And before that, we talked about hope. And... This morning is supposed to be about joy. And it was really interesting for me. Because if you're teaching about joy, you should probably what? Feel joyful. But you know what I noticed? And this comes, C.S. Lewis said this, and I, I think that he's pretty right. I'm realizing that joy is not best pursued for its own sake. Any of you ever tried to just think joyful thoughts or just try to like, come on, just be joyful? How does that work for you? It didn't really work for me. I don't know about you. But I realized maybe the point isn't pursuing joy, but maybe the point is pursuing something else and joy comes and hits us as a beautiful, wonderful, compelling byproduct. And that's kind of the story of C.S. Lewis. He's he could be an authority on joy. If any of you have read his biography, Surprised by Joy, his whole life was trying to figure out where on earth this dance, this beauty, this majesty, this delight that he experienced, where on earth it came from. And the last thing that ever crossed his mind, even in spite of all his education, Oxford, Cambridge, and all that he had done, the last thing that ever crossed his mind was that the joy that he had experienced could ever have anything to do with God and vice versa. And I don't know what it was like for you growing up. Some of you, I know some of your stories, and, and it makes more sense to you. But, but for some of us, you stand outside the church, right? And there's joy, and there's laughter, and there's fun, and then everybody walks in the church building, and what gets just sucked right out of the room? The joy. So for some people, it's quite a stretch to think God and joy might be related. And so it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to start to discover, start to encounter. Wait a minute. It's true what the psalmist said. Listen to this verse real quick. This is foreign for many people. This is Psalm 16. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage, which is an interesting way of saying I have a good inheritance. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's a lot that we could say about this specific statement. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And we'll go there in a minute. But can we do a little like, I'm going to step to the side for a minute. And this is going to be kind of like a, Quick little message within a message. Is that all right? This is not the main point, but this is something I've been thinking through a little bit. And it has to do with what does it look like to keep our joy in the midst of all the crazy relational dynamics that can happen around the holidays? Now, we talked about this a little bit last week, but can I just ask an honest question? How many of you are bracing yourself when you get close to your extended family? How many of you are bracing yourself for some form of a guilt trip? 
or some form of manipulation or some form of anxiety that's going to encroach upon your holiday season. Anybody bracing yourself for that? Nobody? <laughs> Anybody not? <laughs> and I think, I've been thinking over, it was kind of nice for me, I'm being really honest with you. Um, it's funny because I have my cousin sitting in the room and his fiance, and I'm kind of jealous because they have the healthiest side of the whole family. <laughs> and so Brett's going to be like, are we from the same family when he hears me say some of these things? But um, it was kind of nice because living in China for five years, we were insulated from a lot of the crazy dynamics of the holidays. And when we came back to visit, when we would spend $6,000 on plane tickets and travel five or 6,000 miles, People were so happy to see us that we didn't have to deal with all the kind of messy, ugly little things that happened. You know what I mean? Well, guess what? We've been back for almost four years now, and things are, things are regulating. <laughs> things, are, things are getting back to normal. So can I just tell you a couple things that I try to do when it comes to the holidays that have been helpful for me? And they're, mind you, they're not easy, but they've changed the way I experience Christmas. And here's the first one, all right? When someone tries to take me on a guilt trip, I refuse to get on the train. Can I say that again? When someone tries to take me on a guilt trip, I refuse to get on the train. Who says that I need to get on and go with them on the guilt trip? I won't give you all the details, but I had a family member. This was actually around Thanksgiving a year ago. But I had a family member that through all these text messages was basically putting the weight of their Thanksgiving experience on me. Saying, well, if you guys are coming into town, then when are you going to bring the boys by? And when are you going to do this? And when are we going to do this? And all these things. And then it turned into, well, it's fine. I guess if I'm just sitting here all alone by myself, then that's just going to be how it is. Right? You guys ever get anything like that? And so I had a choice to make at that moment, didn't I? I could change my whole entire plan, our whole entire family's plan, and go just to appease this person's sense of loneliness. Or I could say, well, hey, whatever you decide to do for Thanksgiving, that's fine, but here's when we can see you, here's when we can't, and so let's enjoy it while we can. But I refused to get on the train. It was so hard for me, though. But I just had to make that choice. I'm not going to go on this guilt trip with you. There's other kind of trips that I enjoy, like ski trips. But I don't want to go on a guilt trip. So the question you need to ask yourself is, do I have to go on this trip? And maybe there's a way that you don't. If you don't deal with this stuff, good. <laughs> I'm really happy. Pray for the rest of us. Um, I think one of the other main things, quickly, is I realized that I don't have to be responsible for someone else's joy or peace or enjoyment of the holiday season. That it's not my job to make somebody, even my children, have a good experience through the holiday season. I can set the table, so to speak. I can create the framework, but I can't help them have an enjoyable, joyful attitude, can I? Can I ask, how many of you feel just this pressure to kind of make the holiday season around you good for everybody? Who relates to that? Anybody mind sharing how you deal with that or something that you've... Um, I guess, come to navigate that? Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, Kristen. 
Nice and I'm not so those of you in the back, can you hear her? Okay. It's hard, huh? It sounds so simple, but it's like it takes a lot of self control, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Kristen. Maybe one more. What have you how are you guys processing this? How do you hold on to your joy moving into a season when people put their joy on you? Or the anxiety. Yeah, Aaron, nice and loud. Thank you for bringing in boundaries. <laughs> because, yeah. Don't you think the psalmist knew what he was talking about and equating joy with the establishment of healthy boundaries? This, there's, there's a lot of depth and, and accuracy to this psalm. He says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Because guess what? It's possible for boundary lines to fall in very unpleasant places. And most of us know what that feels like, don't we? And so the psalmist says, the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places, and guess what? Now I can experience fully the joy, this pleasure, this joy forevermore. I think it's something really, really important to just not feel the pressure to make everybody's Christmas an amazing, amazing time. Um, I thought there was one other thing I was going to say with that, but it's eluding me right now. So maybe it'll come back to me. Yeah, Gayskin. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah. So true. Because that's a boundary, isn't it? Often, one of the ways you know if there's some, you need to do some adjustment of boundaries is, is if you want something for someone else more than they want it for themselves. You ever experienced that? <laughs> if you want something more for someone else than they want it for themselves, it means that the boundary is too far extended and you need to bring that a little closer to home. And what often happens with dynamics like that, let me just think about this for a minute. How many times have you seen somebody unmotivated or unwilling or just with a lack of desire for something, but when you really think about it, how many times are we filling up that space so that they don't even have room to move? they don't have a reason to be motivated because we're carrying all the motivation for them. So as soon as we pull back, all of a sudden something wakes up in them and they're like, oh, I have breathing room now. Now I can see if I really want this for myself. And that's a boundary issue. Greg, you're going to say something with that? Yeah, Tanya. Nice and loud. You have a, go ahead and yell at us. It's so hard, right? Because, and the, thank you, Tanya, the thing is we've experienced these certain things and so of course we want them for others. But the question is, is it our place to give that and can we be the ones that create that, you know, that dynamic within them or that experience for them? And so just really coming to terms with that. Um, another thing quickly, I think, I think there's something really profound in being able to, this has to do with kind of the way, another boundary issue I would say is, it has to do with what we're willing to allow people to bring onto us. Because often that thing goes two ways. What I mean is, sometimes we kind of encroach in other people's space by wanting things more than they want it for themselves. But the other thing is, sometimes we don't have strong enough boundaries when it comes to letting other people's anxiety come onto us. And, you know, that's really what a guilt trip is, right? It's somebody else's anxiety. 
and all of a sudden we take it upon ourselves. Um, Laura had a super cool, I thought this was a good little analogy for kind of managing those little statements or those little jabs that people drop. Do you want to, you mind sharing that real quick? Just what, will you stand and make sure that everyone in the back can hear you? You want the mic? <laughs> I thought that was a good little kind of concrete way to, yeah, to grapple with that because reactivity becomes this vicious cycle, right? And so how do you learn to kind of be in a situation that's full of anxiety but not be the anxious one and not let the anxiety encroach upon you because isn't that what sucks the joy right out of the situation? So, yeah. Um, let's do this. And then I want to kind of take this another direction quickly. Give me a second to gather my thoughts here. Holy Spirit, would you give us your wisdom in navigating all these dynamics that come around Christmas time? May we be the ones in our family that, that the peace that we carry from you, that we embody from you, overflows onto others and not the other way around. Thank you that where peace goes, joy follows. And so may we be the ones that do, that we embody, we encapsulate, we carry that peace. And may we do that in a way that even dissolves the anxiety around us. But even if it doesn't, help us remember that's not our deal. But I pray that for all of us as a church family, that the boundary lines would fall for us in proper places, in right places, so that we could experience that truth that in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In Jesus' name. Hmm. I want to take this a different direction quickly in it. How did you know I was about to talk about you? Nathan and I went to see the ginormous waves the last couple days. Anybody else go out, either by the rock or just... Crazy, crazy stuff, huh? Unbelievable. And I take Nathan out. We actually go as far as we can go without getting in trouble. People started getting citations about like 20 minutes after we left, apparently, um, for being where we had been. But we went out as far as we could be without getting too, too wet. But the waves are just out of this world big. And I'm sitting there, and I'm watching this, and every single one I'm like, Whoa, just blown away. Just so much joy and exhilaration experiencing it. And Nathan's sitting there, you know what he's doing? He's just eating these little peanut butter crackers <laughs> like nothing else is going on. And I was like, buddy, don't you see this? Don't you get this? Don't you understand what's happening here? But my level of enjoyment and his level of enjoyment were way unequal. Way, way unequal. I'm like, don't you see this? But then later in the afternoon, yesterday afternoon, I took him right back, where are we right now? So to the little preschool playground, right back here. The dude was so ecstatic about every little tiny thing that I couldn't 
match his joy. So I'm sitting there looking at these waves, and I'm like, wow, buddy, you need to get this, what this means. And, and I'm sure he's thinking, Daddy, don't you see how amazing it is when I push this thing, it shakes and rattles and makes a noise, and then comes back and hits me in the forehead? This is awesome. And as I was watching him, the thing that hit me is there is so much joy found in discovery and exploring. And I think the psalmist really didn't know the fullness of what he was saying. And this is what's been hitting me over the last couple days. Listen to these words again. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now let me ask you an obvious question. What, let me rephrase that, who is at the right hand of the Father? Where are the pleasures forevermore? Where is fullness of joy? In whom does that exist? And I think the thing I love about this season is that Advent is a season of discovery. And I've been kind of caught in this tension over the last couple weeks of seeing Advent as a time of looking back and the experience of them in the first century around the birth of Jesus and trying to think through what they would be anticipating, but the reality is they had no idea what they didn't know. And in all the stories, there's mention of joy, rejoicing, there's this fullness, there's this life, there's this anticipation, but they really had no idea what, who was coming. And yet every little thing, the shepherds, remember the shepherds hear from the angel, and they go to Mary, and they're like, this is what the angel said, and I bring you tidings of great joy, and the angels are rejoicing. They don't even know what's coming. And yet there's something just bursting within them. Let me show you a couple of these. I might have these way, way out of order. We're going to skip over this. I was, I was going to talk about how joy often doesn't feel very holy. There's something in us that we feel like we can only enjoy so much joy and then we need to go back to feeling guilty. That holiness needs to equal heaviness. Anybody ever feel like that? <laughs> for something to be godly, for something to be holy, it needs to be heavy, it needs to be gloomy. And I just love this verse. I couldn't resist throwing this in here. Nehemiah 8, look at the second half. It says, well, let's, let's look at this together. This is starting at the top, actually. Nehemiah is actually commanding them. He's the governor, and he tells them after they read the book of the law, he says, hey, by the way, don't be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites, what does it say, stilled? It's a great font. Stilled all the people saying, be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. Do not be heavy. And all the people went their way to what? To cry and weep and mourn and gnash teeth? To eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. And I... I think one of the problems with joy often is that it gets contaminated because we feel guilty for feeling joyful. Anybody ever feel like that? It's like I can only experience so much joy and then need to go, go back to feeling heavy again. 
And God say, no, joy is holy. Joy is beautiful. Joy is for you. Joy is good. But that's not what we're going to talk about. So here's one instance, quickly. This is from Matthew 2. This is to the Magi. This is Herod speaking. He says, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. We all know that Herod didn't mean it. Herod knows his time is coming. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They hadn't even seen Jesus, yet all they saw was the star that was hovering over the promise of Jesus. And then they see the child and they bow down and worship him. One other story quickly was Luke. Luke chapter 1, Zechariah, Elizabeth, and Mary. And remember, Mary comes into the room where Elizabeth is. John the Baptist is in Elizabeth's womb. And upon Mary entering the room, the baby literally leaps for joy inside of her womb. There is joy all throughout these stories. And yet the thing that gets me is they had no idea what was coming. I'm going to skip through this and Let's look at John 15 real quick, and I want to talk about that. These are Jesus' words in John 15. We're doing right on time. This is where I want us to, this is what I want us to really hold on to to focus on as we talk about joy. Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. I have said these things to you so that... No, wait a minute. Does Jesus just say that so that a generic, general, stereotypical sense of joy will be in us? What's the word right before joy? Whose joy? does Jesus come to give? His joy. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I had a lot of scriptures I wanted to talk about. I had a lot of things that we could say about joy. But as I kept coming back to it, I think the thing that really, really matters, the thing that, that really needs to be said. Hi, you. So let me ask you something. Why does Nathan feel so okay with just being able to walk right up here? Why does, why does Nathan think it's okay that he can just come on up to the front when Daddy's teaching at church? Because I belong to him. Because he knows where we stand. Because he knows how I feel about him. Don't you, bud? 
<laughs> He's like, Mommy, do I? Now think about this for a minute. Think about the kind of joy that Jesus has experienced. What does Jesus himself know about the Father? Has there ever been a moment that Jesus did not know that he belonged beyond the shadow of a doubt? That he was the apple of the Father's eye? That the affection being poured out on him was infinite and bountiful and unquantifiable? Has Jesus ever not known that? Has there ever been a moment where Jesus is like, Daddy, I don't know where we stand. I'm not sure how you feel about me. I'm not sure if I belong here. All Jesus knows is peace and assurance and belonging and acceptance and affection. And he says, that joy that I know in relationship to my Father and the Holy Spirit, that's the joy that I have come to share with you. That joy. Not some joy that you need to manufacture, that you need to fabricate, that you need to muster up, but simply the joy of being included in my relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Back in John 16, We'll just talk about this really quick. He tells his disciples, I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. The Greek word Jesus uses for name in there is onoma. And it has way less to do with, I'm called Chris, and has everything to do with authority, relationship, favor, and position before the one being asked. Jesus says, I have come so that you can ask from the Father through my favor, my relationship, my standing with Him. And in that, you will have great joy. Now, I could stand here and try to tell you stories about what that means and what it's like to experience that, but it won't do any good. Megan, would you mind making your way back up? So what we're going to do is we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us experience a little bit of what this means that we would be invited further into this discovery that it's true, that really, at the right hand of the Father are pleasures forevermore and fullness of joy. Um, Greg, would you mind hitting the lights for us? And everyone else, would you, if you're able, would you stand? We're going to make our way around the room. If you feel free to get comfortable, it's, it's 10 after 11 right now. If you need to go in the next 20 minutes or so, feel free. But what we're going to do is... Oh, Al, I didn't see you back there. Thank you. 
here's what I would say. We're going to go into a time of worship, and I, I want you, I encourage you to be asking, Jesus, what is your joy like? What do you know that I have not come to know yet? And will you share with me? Jesus says, ask, and I'll give it to you. So let's ask. And I want you to feel welcome as well. If you have a prayer on your heart for someone else in the room, or you feel like God has given you something, feel free to, to share, to minister, to encourage one another. But let's let the Spirit's joy, Jesus' joy, be part of our experience this morning. Jesus, you promise us that you will give us your joy, that our joy will be full, it will be complete. I don't know what that feels like. I don't know what that is like. But I would like to. So Holy Spirit, would you come and help us to know? Would you help us to experience? fill this room with your presence and just maybe we'll experience some joy but most importantly we want to experience you